If you can truly understand and accept that it is in fact purely silent, the only voice you'll likely ever hear is your own until you book that first job or start booking repeated jobs. If you can handle the silence and keep your numbers up, then you understand that, especially if you have had training, keep up the hard work and this is a numbers game. Wherever it is, get training because your competition did. Welcome to episode 66 of the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of actors, voiceover artists, and entrepreneurs, while share how they survive and thrive in the city that never sleeps, New York City. It is I, Daniel Tuttle, and the wait is over. You guys love her. We love her. Yes, it is the conclusion to our interview with voiceover artist and coach Shelly Shinoy. This week, we continue to wrap up our conversation as we dig into Shelly's work as a voiceover artist and coach. Shelly shares stories on the intense way she auditioned for parts, how she handled voicing all six characters in the middle of a food fight with each other, and how she works on developing each unique character. We also discuss Shelly's coaching business and what she tells her students, what she hopes for them, and what it's like to help others succeed at their dreams. Make sure to stick around after the interview for some weekly updates and hustle support statements. Also with our Bay Area OG, Michael Lutheran, to help you get through the week. That's enough of my voice. Let's bring the talent and the real coach, Shelly Shinoy. Let the hustle begin. And welcome back. We are still here with voiceover actress extraordinaire, Miss Shelly Shinoy. Hi, Shelly. Hello. And also still here is still my Daryl. He hasn't died yet, so there's no rioting, Mr. Michael Lutheran. Hello, everybody. I'm, this is my best impersonation of Daryl. I haven't watched Walking Dead. <laughs> no, and, and, well, if, what's Norman Reedus? I, I guess he's more internal or something, right? I, yeah. I think you'd have mixed both of those together <laughs> and then you would have had it. There we go. <laughs> so, I'll work on it. So, Shelly, let's, uh, let's kind of pick back up here. So when you were looking for jobs, what was your process for finding jobs and auditions? Especially when you said that you know audition websites weren't really uh, a thing back then. What was your process then and how has that changed and what do you do now? Every single bit of it has changed because um, back then there wasn't even a such a thing uh, as social media. So no one was connected. There were there was nothing online that could guide you in the right direction. There was, you know, barely a Google. Right. And I didn't even have a computer. So like that didn't like didn't even matter. Um so what I did was, um, like I said, I stayed in touch with everybody that I ever met and I would check in on them. So the very first job that I ever got, um, I didn't even know to get his information and to stay in touch. So when that job ended, I didn't have any information and I didn't have his, his contact info and I didn't know how to stay in touch and I didn't know how to network. He had my information. And it just so happened that three months later, he called me in for an audition directly because he's like, hey, it's Frank, you know, from from uh, Zara the doll. And we're doing um, Hooked on Phonics. 
we're one of the, there's a nine part DVD series and one of the segments has a little boy on it. And we want you to come in and audition for the little boy. It's for a segment called Aaron knows everything. And he points at all these things and he, you know, says everything that he knows. And he talks about all of this. And uh, will you come in and audition for him? And I'm like, Oh, I've seen the Simpsons. I know Bart's a girl. I can totally do this. And I did not have my little boy voice down. I just walked in knowing that Bart was a girl and I had a shot. But what ended up happening was, um, well, I didn't book the role of Aaron, but they called me two days later and they said, we would like to pay you full price to come back and voice direct the 11-year-old girl that got the role. She just had a better voice for the part than you did, but we need her to do everything you did exactly how you did it in your audition could you come back and coach her? Like, will you direct her during that session? We'll pay you full price. And I was like, absolutely. Like I'd never voice directed anyone, but I had directed a lot of things with the young Americans, but I never, I was never a voice director. And I was like, yes, 100%. Absolutely. I'll do it. And, uh, and then they said, oh, and by the way, you're booked as the narrator on all nine DVDs. And I was like, there it is. There it is. <laughs> okay, great. Why is that the, oh, by the way, can that be the first thing you tell me? Yeah, they were really tentative because they didn't know if I would like, because I auditioned for Aaron and that's all I auditioned for. I didn't audition for the narrator, you know? And so they were like, they wanted to make sure they had me for that first. So I went back in. Um, I voice directed the first voice directing that I had ever done. Again, this was 2004. And we got that part down. Then I did uh, the narrator for all of that. And then I, because in those three months in between rapping on Zara the Doll and getting called to audition for uh, Hooked on Phonics, for those three months, I just freaking fantasized every day that someone would call me. It never occurred to me that it should be my responsibility to get their contact information. So at Hooked on Phonics, I got everyone's information. I didn't abuse it. I wrote them all uh, this the end of that week to thank them all for that amazing experience and all of that. A month later or a few weeks later, I reached out again. Hey, what are you guys working on? I'd love to da-da-da-da-da and started actually building a relationship. And that was what I did with every single job I had ever since then was, was actually figuring out how to stay connected to these people. I, it was like grassroots networking. And that was what I feel like it's so funny to explain what that is now that like everyone's connected on the internet, but there was, was no such thing back then. And so I had to do it myself and I had never done it before. So I had to kind of learn how to do it on the fly. But I think that's also interesting because because we now have grown up with social media, it's just such a, a normal day thing that people don't use it for the purpose that it was brought into the world for, in a way, for uh, creating relationships and stuff. Now it's like, oh, I just go and scroll and look at people's feeds. But what you did and what's really valuable about it is like you learned how to keep in touch with people and yeah. you know feeling comfortable to reach out to people and say, hey, just checking in with you. What are you working on? Is there anything I can do to help? Like trying to be yeah. in service of others. Exactly. I it can't emphasize this enough. You can't abuse it. It's a very specifically light touch kind of thing that you have to know how to do and how to drop a line and how to make it look like you're not just looking for work all the time. Mm -hmm. You know? And so what I call it, it's kind of like, just like taking a little pinch of glitter and just blowing it into the wind. And then like 
you know, you just kind of hope for the best. And then like two weeks later, you, you like are walking through your house and you notice for some reason, there's a little piece of glitter on your palm and you're like, Hey, somebody called me. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing where you just never know where it will show up. Um, the way that I actually, actually describe it to my students is, uh, through the description of, um, of having your own garden. So I say every single audition, you go out to that garden and you don't throw out one seed. You throw out a whole packet of seeds. You just put them out there and then you do everything that you can to nurse them. And you have no idea that when you leave, eight of those seeds have started to sprout. But if you, and if you go back over the next three months and you water it a little and you care for it a little and you're just conscious that it's there, you don't know what is sprouting or which one of those seeds are going to, are going to officially grow, but they're all working on it. You just have to trust that it's running its course and it's doing its thing. And you just have to be conscious of it and care for it. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's such a great metaphor for, for keep, keep building relationships, but not abusing those relationships. That's really great. Um, so let's kind of talk about you going into films. You did, you know, Mickey, uh, you did, you played Mickey and Casper and the Friendly Ghost plus 25, other characters, I believe. That's at least what I read. There may be more. Um, and then you also played Tara, I believe, in 846. Can you kind of go through both of those and you know the, the process, how they differed from each other, um, what you learned from them, what, they were, how, what it was like to work on both of those? Sure. So you mean the difference between uh, an animated series cast for the friendly ghost and playing 26 different characters there and then playing one character on a feature film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, sure. Sure. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, Tara, the, the film 846 happened um, two years after uh, Casper had wrapped. Um, and yeah, it's it's completely different. Um, with with Casper, you show up to the sound studio. Um, I was there every week for about ten months when we created season one, and um, I started with one principal character, and that was Mickey. That was actually Mickey, who was uh, one of my principals in the show. And they hired all the principal actors and all the principal characters with the understanding that you could play anyone in the series. And the way that they um, ran that audition was, uh, it was honestly, it was a series of tests. It was like a series of surprise pop quizzes. So, I mean, do you guys want to hear about what that audition was like? Like yeah. how we- Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, that was, they gave us one piece of paper with a series of lines on it. And they had a flat screen TV inside the booth and uh, the set of lines in front of you. And on the TV, they said, keep your eyes on the screen and read the first, uh, read whatever lines you want in that character's voice as you see fit. And so I was like, oh, sure. This is fun. This is like a game to me. I was like, this is an improv game. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is, this is an improv game. This is absolutely delightful. And so uh, they would they flash a full color picture of a of a fully developed dimensional character on the screen, and you read the the lines on the page in that character's voice, and 
so for me, you know, I'm including Walla and Descript and, uh, you know, voice nuance and all of these other things for these characters that I'm, that I'm jumping into each one. And um, I did not find out until I booked Mickey that they said, um, did you know how many characters you auditioned for in your audition? And I said, oh, no idea. I didn't count them or anything. And they said, for all of the actors, they auditioned hundreds of actors for Casper the Friendly Ghost. And they said, freezes started happening on the third character. The majority of those hundreds of actors did not get past five or six. Six was like, like a good audition was you got to six. And I was like, oh, that's great. And as I was saying that, I was like, I feel like I did more than six, but I was just kind of like, okay. And they were like, do you know how many you did? And I was like, no. And they said, you did 19. And I was like, oh, okay, great. And they were like, no, you don't understand. You were the only person in the cast that gave us a completely different voice for almost 20 characters in a row. We only had 19 pictures and you did all of them. Mm. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> so they like, oh, okay, like, did you have more? Let's do it. Because I was just so like hungry and, and creative. And I was just like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And I knew that you have to have clean character splits and none of them can sound the same. So mm -hmm. you just don't let any of them sound the same. So my salary is going to depend on how many characters I book. I, they gave me, I was granted a, I, I won Mickey, the, the principal character. And every single week when I was handed a script, I was to audition on the spot for any other characters that they wanted me to read for. And I would find out after the episode was done, if I booked that character. So I would just read the lines in that character. And so I think they would, sometimes it was as quick as uh, the end of that record session, they would, the, I, they would just hand me the contract and I would just sign however many characters that, that that were now my characters and then those characters would reappear in other episodes and so then I was by the time we got towards the end of the season and I had already had over 20 characters in the show show we were the record sessions had gotten quite large where like there would be a food fight in a cafeteria and it's between six characters and all six of them are me mm -hmm. And so it was that, and so then you just, you, so then the recording process for that was really, um, was fascinating and interesting and wonderful. <laughs> so, so what do you, how do you, you know, you, let's say, you know, 25 characters, how do you remember, you know, let's say the one character doesn't show up, like, you know, four characters don't show up for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden you have those characters plus your other, maybe five characters. Did you keep like audio clips of each character that you could listen to to go back and go, oh, okay, this is Johnny McGee's voice and this one's Patty O'Shea's voice? How did you kind of keep those in in line? I wish there was a character named Patty O'Shea. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Patty O'Shea. Um, See, I feel like she's got to be like Italian just to really throw you. <laughs> Patty O'Shea with the Irish name, but she's full on Italian. Italian, Italian. <laughs> I like it. I like her. It's a me, um, a Patty O'Shea. <laughs> a Patty O'Shea. <laughs> she spits. I don't know. Um, no, no, she definitely spits. Yeah, she's a spitter. Um, yeah, uh, no, that's exactly what would happen. So they would say, okay, in this episode, uh, you have four characters in this episode, or you have seven in this episode, whatever it was. And they would ask me, uh, you know, we would usually do the principal first. So we would like run through, um, you know, Mickey first. And then I ended up with like two other principals on the on the show somehow. Um, and so we would do the principals first. 
and then um, and then we would play all these other side characters. So the the way that we would do it is if I was playing Mickey, Flyboy, and Dummy Girl in one episode, like so let's say in this episode I have three. So we would go through the entire episode and I would read um, Mickey. So we would do Mickey first. And so we would do Mickey from start to finish. So at the beginning of the record, they would play me my original audition lines for Mickey, the, the role, the voice that got me her part. And so I would hear myself in my audition for Mickey and I would go, got it. And so they would play one line or two lines and I, okay, got it. And then we would record the entire episode. At the end of that, you take a drink of vodka and <laughs> you, you just like refresh. You just have a minute and then they go, okay, we're moving on to Flyboy. Okay, great. Let's hear Flyboy. And they would, they would play me my audition for Flyboy and I would hear two lines and I'd say, got it. And so I would just hear it until it was like, okay. And then it's me imitating me for the entire rest of the episode. It's a vast library of voices that you just, you need to hear it real quick for a few seconds. Got it. And yeah. then you go. You yeah. truly become an insane person. <laughs> Oh yeah. And you oh. get paid for it. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you kind of have to be a little insane to be oh, in this industry. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you have to start crazy. And then you just then you just get crazier after that. It's absolutely yeah. fascinating. Now I know you've also done a lot of video game work. Um, you know, you were in uh Shardlight, uh Kathy Rain as Wait well as a minute. Yeah. Before we get into that, I just sure. because I I take notice when um my conversations with people just tailspin out of like different areas. <laughs> so to answer your quick question about Tara, it was just oh. a lot of crying on camera. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so before we uh, break down these the specific projects you've done with the video game industry, how different is video games now? I guess as opposed to normal animation or commercial. Um, I know some video games, you also have to do motion capture um, work as well. But what is your process when you're doing a video game? How, how different is it, would you say? Oh, how different is it from? Uh, film, like uh, doing like Casper or any kind of like film or commercial project. In terms sure, of voiceover. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, let me preface this by saying uh, that it always depends on exactly what you're working on. Right, it'll only be different to a degree to whatever degree of it uh, of the game that it is. You know, like video game work is quite similar to legit on camera theater work. There's hardly such a thing where it's like, "Hi, I'm in a cartoon, not doing a cartoon voice." It's like, "Get down, get down!" Like it's like real, authentic acting like you know so if it's like you know screaming threats and and taking bullets and and saving lives and it's real it's not it's not it's not pretend like cartoons are like hello i'm a fly you know like it's that it doesn't happen like that in in real video games you're acting as though you're in a feature film where you're you know shooting people or like an action movie or, or something like that that's that's exactly the voices between an action film and a video game are the same. It's the same performance. As a little brother, I never got to play video games. I would always watch them. And, oh, okay. but, but I loved it because I got to appreciate the story. And it's so amazing how over the years, like video games have just become such a cinematic experience. Like I remember uh, being so scared watching my brothers play Max Payne. 
<laughs> you know, uh, way way back then. And now, uh, Daniel, you showed me one of your favorite video games, uh, The Last of Us. Yes, The Last of Us. And but it's so true though in terms of in terms of the vocal performance, it does sound more like what you would get from an actual action movie or a very much of a drama and stuff as opposed to something that's more heightened, I guess. Um, so how did you get into video games? Like when did you, uh, the first one we have here on our outline is uh, you played Amy in Shard Light? Mm. Shard Light? Yeah, I just heard back from Dave Gilbert. <laughs> He's uh, the head of um, Wadjeta Games. Mm. Um, I said, hi, I'm live on a podcast interview right now with Hollywood <laughs> and, um And I need to know, and then I said, what year was it when I did? And he said, Hello, Hollywood Hustle. Hello, Shelly's audience. Hello, your guys' <laughs> audience. And then and then he said, uh, yes, you played Harriet Sherman in the game Blackwell Unbound. It was 2007. Oh, there you go. There we go. Wow. And I remember Harriet Sherman. She was like 107 years old. <laughs> can, can we listen to Harriet real quick? Uh, hello, Harriet. <laughs> Harriet, are you there? What is it that you want? <laughs> well, I don't know anything. What is that, a clue? <laughs> that's that's what she sounded like. She nice. was actually quite cartoonish because uh, this was not, and you'll have to understand, this is not the protagonist of the game. Right. There were all these really colorful side characters. And then from, uh, this was Blackwell Unbound. And then after Blackwell Unbound, I started playing dozens of side characters in uh in Wajedi games i was a i was i was a french maid i was a uh broken toaster i was you know all of these crazy characters and and multiple characters inside any single game um but it wasn't until uh shardlight that i was actually their protagonist in 2013 um i actually went to dave gilbert and i said you know how for the last several years, so seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, seven years, you've been saying, oh, if only there were more Shelly Chenoise to put in my games. Well, and then I told him, you know, I'm NYCVO coach now. I've been coaching and directing. I'm training all these talents. Can I cast your game? Can I host the auditions and send you the cream of the crop and like, and like actually get the first round of like, you know, you put the not quality ones aside and you send them all this great work. And when I helped him cast his first game, he won his first uh, video game acting awards. Hey, whoa, very cool. Nice. Um, so I helped I helped them start casting games in 2013. Um, but anyway, my point is, is that um, my sort of ethical stance on if I'm going to help you cast your games, you can either put me in the game or not, but I have to know who I'm playing whether or not I, I don't need to know their significance in the game, but I need to know if I'm playing a character and just who I'm who I'm playing. So it is set so that this casting is completely non-biased. So if I'm a toaster, great, but I need to know that I'm the toaster before the casting begins. And they sent me Shardlight. Uh, they sent me Amy and they were like, hey, can you read for this real quick? And I was like, sure. I sent over the thing. They gave me an adjustment. I, I sent a new recording in and he called me and he said, I have been working with you for almost a decade. Congratulations. You are the first protagonist in our next 
round of games. And I loved being all these other parts. And so it was funny. He sent me the audition for Amy and it was just kind of this thing where it's just like, really only one, but like, okay, sure. Whatever, man. So I send a thing. I kick it over really quick. I have no idea. He's reading me for the protagonist of the game. Nice. That's awesome. Oh. So now one of the relationships, uh, you know, we kind of talked about relationships a little ago, that one of the relationships that you've built and really cultivated is a relationship with Telltale games um you have been uh ahead of their uh, a lot of their looping groups for game of thrones uh batman uh and i believe the walking dead as well um can you kind of explain what a looping group is and how what what was your job when you got these people together for these groups looping is when you create a bunch of wallas sound effects coral noises coral noises or uh, reactions. And so, um, and then, so like if it's a group scene and like there's a wedding and like a bride and groom are like walking down the aisle and there's like 200 people in the audience, then you have to chorally create a murmur, right? And so like, everyone's like, oh, look at her. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh. And then you have to record it again and again and again. And then they loop it on top of each other. So it sounds like 200 people. You play every group of people, basically. Yeah, it's, it's helping create the atmosphere, the, the environment. Yes. Yes. I believe that Telltale was using a company in Chicago and uh, they had done Game of Thrones and the, they had done the first two episodes and they weren't happy with what was happening. And I had known of Telltale. I knew that I remember uh, just two years before uh, I remember hearing splashes in the water of like the the noise that walking dead was getting and i remember it, in 2013 like hearing so much about it looking up who was in the cast and just being like man i wonder how much their lives are going to change because i'm hearing all about this you know from here and it's like wow that's so cool you know you figure the game is probably cast in la and you're just kind of like wow you know these people are killing it and so you know you've got your ear to the pipeline you know some stuff is coming up and um this prominent sound studio in New York where I teach my voiceover classes and I had done a lot of directing there as well. Uh, the head of the sound studio called me and he said, Hey, um, do you have a loop group? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, do you have actors in the loop group that could uh, do authentic British accents, like for real British accents? And I said, of course I do. And he said, and these, this is like a tight group. They're like, put together and you, you like internally direct them and, and all of this, you guys are like set. And I was like, yeah, for sure. What's going on. And he goes, uh, can, can your group be at an audition? So this was, uh, three o'clock on a, uh, Tuesday. And he said, can you guys be here at 10 AM tomorrow morning for an audition? So 10 AM on a Wednesday, can you be here? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, and he said, okay, it's for game of Thrones. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I hung up the phone. This was, uh, like I said, this was like 2000, the beginning, this was like December, 2013 slash January, 2014. And I hung up and I went to my computer and I Googled what is a loop group. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yes, and yes, and yes, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, so I live my life. And uh, so I Googled what is a loop group and I and I probably researched it for three hours, two hours where I listened to samples. I listened to live work. I listened to I watch YouTube videos. I looked at all of this stuff and it made really, you know, it made perfect sense to me. It was 
this is a group of actors with a very, very strong, sharp ear that in my mind are theatrically trained and improvisationally trained, um, experienced actors, really sharp, really great listeners. So I thought, okay, I need choral students. I need musically trained actors because their ears have to be so sharp. I need chorally trained singers, um, not just voiceover artists. I need, I need trained singers and I need powerful actors and really strong improvisers. I put a group together. I, I asked him, I was like, how many do you want? And he said, he started with 10 and then he went down to eight. Then he went down to four. Then he landed at six. And I said, okay, so three boys and three girls. And he was like, yeah. So it was Broadway stars. Um, uh, like I had a reoccurring uh, a law and order cast member. Um, and I had... Uh, really sharp improvisers. So I kind of had a group, right? They were just really well-trained actors. And I called five actors that I like put this dream team together of, okay, it's me, two other girls and three other guys. This is my dream team. I made five calls. All five of them said yes. And they said that they would meet me at 9 a.m. at the cafe next to the studio because I wanted to have a 55-minute rehearsal. And they said, yeah. And so it was a rehearsal before the audition. So at 9 a.m., the six of us met. Um, I put together a rehearsal. I created uh, hand signals and uh, visual cues for people to really pay attention. I went over um, basically exactly what I assumed would happen in the audition, but I wasn't sure. Everyone uh, walked in ready. Uh, we, they were handed us a script. Uh, they all followed, uh, my sort of my cues from that. Um, and we created this audition and I walked out, uh, going, I'll be damned if we don't book this. And we all walked out. And when we walked out, there was a lobby packed with British actors, not groups, but British actors. And so then they would bring in the next like six people. They would just go, you, 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 and they would bring them all in. And, uh, and then, and they actually had me stay to work like live with two other random groups. And it was just a shit show. Like, it was like, oh my God, I'm so glad that I had that audition with the group that I put together. <laughs> oh, it's gotta go that way. I was really confident that it would, but I had no idea. And, uh, we found out the next day that we booked, uh, Game of Thrones and that's how I became the loop group for Telltale. And we did Game of, Game of Thrones from Game of Thrones. Uh, Game of Thrones was the first one we did. We did several episodes with Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones, I got, uh, after Game of Thrones, I got Minecraft. And I and, and every, every loot group that I put together was uh, completely different based on the game. So for Minecraft, I did all stand-up comedians, like voiceover trained stand-up comedians that were super strong improvisers. And we needed it. We needed every scrap of their talent for Minecraft because it was so funny. Um, and then for Batman, I got all legit actors, voiceover trained legit actors for film and television. And I'm glad I did. So the group changes for everything that Telltale had called me in for. Yeah. And the craziest was that we did um, Walking Dead for Rise of Michonne. Mm. And uh, we did not get called to do a uh, loop group for um, Walking Dead New Frontier. I had actually booked the lead in Walking Dead New Frontier, which was just like blew my mind 
um, that I got that. And then, um, and then sure enough, um, towards the end of the records, the records were 10 months for that. And towards the end of the records, um, my loop group got pulled in. So I actually play a good amount of zombies in a new frontier. <laughs> a lot of people actually don't know that. Nice. Very wow. cool. You know, going from this experience where you're leading a loop group, I, I know earlier Daniel had asked about voiceover directing or voice directing. Um, we know you've got a series coming out on Netflix. Um, then there's also the movie No Malone coming out. So uh, can you speak a bit more to what specifically the voice director does and then how these opportunities with Netflix and this movie uh, came about? Yeah, you know, as far as voice directing in general goes, you know, in order to be a, a strong voice director, you have to first have a clear vision of what you're going for in the end. And then you have to have just really good listening and communication skills. That's really what it comes down to. It comes down to how keen of a listener you are and how keen of a communicator you are so that you can you can end up with the exact work that you need, but you have to, you have to be able to communicate in the exact way needed per actor, per scene, per line to get exactly what you need. The series was, um, they basically auditioned me for a year before I booked uh, Bing. And that was like people flying in from all over the world to watch me direct and to scout. And they were looking at directors all over the country. And it just, they just kept calling me back to watch me direct. And it was crazy. It was like being like, you know, vetted for the CIA or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Absurd. <laughs> it's like, no, so they all like my directing or what? You know, but you just have to keep coming in and they give you challenging things and you're working with, you know, talent that you've never met and you've got to pull out the exact thing they're looking for and it's just you know trial and error nice absolutely very cool now I, I, you've mentioned you mentioned kind of at the end and i think we've mentioned a little bit throughout that you coach you have a, a website uh, i believe um uh nycvocoach.com uh, mm -hmm. uh, um mm -hmm. when did you start that and can you tell us a little bit of what you offer and just kind of you know just let everybody know what that's about yeah. So in 2012 is when I started that. And I started that because I actually had a kind of major faux pas with um, the union. So uh, I was under talent management at the time that like I was kind of misadvised to go union when I didn't have union representation. I had non-union representation. So I was um, stuck in what I call the union loophole where you go union and you don't have union representation and there's no such thing as finding union auditions online. They happen through reps only. So if you're going to get a union audition, you're going to get it through a manager or a talent rep, right? You don't, you don't find union auditions on the internet. It just right. doesn't happen. It's against the union, right? So, um, I was totally union and I didn't have union representation. And so my audition stopped. And so I was like, Hmm, home girls gonna be poor. Like, I, like I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. Like how, what the heck am I supposed to do now? And, um, my talent management, the ones that advised me to go union when I didn't have union reps, they were like, well, um, you know what you could do in the meanwhile is, We'd love it if you if you coached and directed all of our other talents so that they can book work while you can't. <laughs> and I was just like, 
like uh, that sounds horrible and like torture but uh yes and so I was like all right you know give me one person and let's see what happens and I started with one private student and that quickly went to two and that quickly went to three and then because what was happening was I was coaching these talent and they did end up start booking starting to book and so then the manager keeps like shoving talent at me like train this one train this one right and so I started doing that and then and then soon enough uh it was too I like I had to I I was like I don't know if anybody will come but I'm just gonna open up a class Mm -hmm. and so I opened up my first class in September of 2012 And, um, I'm, I'm, I was very fortunate with what happened with the classes, but, uh, by 2013, they were selling out. And so I was just really lucky. It was, it was a tough time, but like, I was really grateful that people loved the classes and that it was all happening. And so that's just kind of, um, how the, how the coaching started, which immediately fed its way into directing and then both coaching and directing, uh, were significantly improving my voicing skills as a as a voiceover artist as well. With voiceover coaching, do you ever take on clients who aren't in New York City? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I so I, I know I, some acting teachers yeah. will you know Skype call uh, their their talent as it were. I I would imagine with voiceover especially, it can be something that I send you a clip, you give me notes and keeps keeps working back and forth yeah yeah yeah. so there's several different ways that I work like um uh you know I mean it totally depends on what the artist is looking for you know so like all the coaching options are on the site but like some people want me to critique their current demo and to show them like what's working and what's not and what to get rid of immediately you know things like that like people have me critique their demos um uh, and then mostly people have me uh, I do career counseling sessions uh where we don't like actually break down work that people are working on we break down what's happening in their career and like where they're headed and and what what they're doing right or wrong and what they should incorporate and all of those things so I do career counseling sessions and then um and then sometimes it's straight up I I coach um auditions so like people will hire me so they'll just select a career um they'll select a uh commercial uh like a like a you know I have commercial sessions or whatever so somebody will book one of those um and just say I just need help with this audition for an hour straight just help me with this like what is this material like how on earth do I do this and so I critique uh, I I coach people through auditions um and that's done you know I, I work with LA actors pretty regularly and then um and then the other is um actually you know commercial auditioning training. So I have a a master the at home audition course. It's three days. Um, and I, uh, critique, um, I basically train you how to audition from home for three days straight. And then what always happens with that is, is we can only work on three types of auditions in those three days. It's three different days, three different types of auditions. And so then people will sign up for the program and do three and then be, and at the end of the program be like, but there's so much more. And so then they sign up for the program again. But like, I have a guy who signs up uh, once a season for it. And um, after his second session, like after his second um, round of the master of the audition program um, within eight weeks, 
he had seen like six thousand more dollars come into his uh weight so like this it just turns itself around because when you you know i i just call myself a master auditioner because like i'm just a professional auditioner that's what i do and uh so i train people how to audition you know we work on career counseling on commercial technique all of that stuff that's, that's that's so awesome that's it's so nice that that you're able to uh help uh, take what you've learned and offer it to other people and that way their careers can start building as well yes Nothing makes me happier than, and this is different from years ago when they first asked me to train talent. I was like, no, I want all the work. And what ended up happening, of course, was um, the more I started directing and coaching, the stronger everything became for me. I just turned into a gigantic beast. And now nothing makes me happier. I protect my talent like a freaking guard dog. And I I just protect them and care for them. And I work as a mentor and nothing makes me happier than them booking work. I'll tell you, I got I got a text this morning from someone that I trained. I did I have a 10-day program called um uh, the, it's called the commercial intensive or the animation intensive or the narration intensive. It's a 10 day intensive program where we do the master the at home audition, but for 10 days straight. And then at the end we create your entire commercial portfolio and your commercial demo. So that's like, so we do that for 10 straight days. So that's the intensive program. And I worked with this guy named Orlando who texted me this morning and I'm going to read you his text. And um, and I worked with him, uh, last November and I know exactly who he is cause he's on my newsletter and I worked with him for 10 straight days. So it's so funny that his text said, hi, Shelly, it's Orlando from Atlanta. I'm like, hello, Orlando. Like, I like, hello. I, I, I actually responded. Hi, Orlando. It's Shelly from New York. Cause I, I'm a super smart ass. So I'm like, what's up, man? Like, how you doing, buddy? And he said, I think I'm being scammed. Are you free to talk in an hour or so? And I called him immediately, right? Like, so this is the role that I play for, and all of my NYCVO coach people know that, that I am here for you. Like, if we start working together, I'm pretty much here forever. So if any shit goes down (laughs) that you think isn't right, call me and let me punch some heads together in back into place to see like what the is going on sorry to cuss <laughs> no it's but, all good like, i i get really protected i know a lot of bad things happen out there and um and so if anything you know is going down with somebody and sure enough there there was a scam happening with the thing and i told him exactly what to do and he did it and it was resolved within by this afternoon it was resolved but it was just a very close call so wow i mean like, this just sounds like such a valuable resource for actors out there that especially those just starting out in voiceover or anything. This just sounds like such a great resource. And to have someone that's there batting for you, um, super supportive. And that's, again, for our listeners, nycvocoach.com. We're going to ask you real quick to share a little bit more, uh, uh, some advice. Uh, We just have some four main sections, and you can give like a quick line or so of advice for each of these topics. Uh, the The first one is surviving New York City or other major markets? Okay. There's almost no lines now barricading the states. We are one market ever since the online uh, auditions opened up and sort of like shared talent with everybody. So there is a little bit of New York versus LA, um, but then Texas got really strong and so did Chicago. 
right? But for the most part, it's really not broken down into these two areas or into these four areas anymore. Now it's a more unified, um, sort of accessible, unified industry. Um, as far as surviving it goes, you know, ironically, the voiceover industry, it's the audio industry. If you can truly understand and accept that it is in fact purely silent, the only voice you'll likely ever hear is your own until you book that first job or start booking repeated jobs, you are alone in your studio, especially if you're not repped. If you can handle the silence and keep your numbers up, then you understand that, especially if you have had training, uh, keep up the hard work and this is a numbers game. And uh, there is no guarantee that you will ever book work. So you just have to keep flying and fighting and swinging as hard as you can and make sure that your work is, is superb. So wherever it is, get training because your competition did. Wow. So the, the ones that are booking the jobs, they're they're the ones that that you know uh, educated themselves in the industry and uh, know what they're doing. I was about to say the next one it was specifically for stage actors, but I feel like what you just said applies. Just get educated. Just you know, meet people, build relationships, oh, yeah. and, and get educated. Yeah. So uh, if I could use myself as a quick example, um, I can't take enough classes. I can't, I can't, I, I love it. There's always something out there now. Like I, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so in the thick of the middle of the heartbeat of voiceover. Um, you know, that's where I'm living and thriving and like doing everything that I'm doing. Um, but like on camera, legit, uh, you know, all, technique, theater, improv I'm always in a class and I'm having the time of my life and it's it's the only way that not only are you getting better truly getting better because you have to think outside of your ego the only way you're truly getting better but it's also the only way you're actually going to keep uh, uh networking yeah absolutely thank you so much for that that that's fan that's so true and, and and it is important that to know that if you're not training somebody else is somebody is always getting better and yeah. so you have to keep up um, so as we kind of, uh, wrap up, if you want to just real quick, once again, tell people where they can find you, uh, one more time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, for coaching and directing, I'm nycvocoach.com, uh, or nycvocoach at Gmail. Um, my completely hilariously sad, outdated website is shellyshanoi.com. <laughs> um, if you want to be up to date on everything that I'm doing in the industry and behind the scenes, I'm on Facebook at Shelly Shanoi Official. Um, I'm on Instagram at Shelly Shanoi, Twitter at Shelly Shanoi, and my voiceover uh, NYCVO coach. The NYCVO coach Facebook business is actually at voiceover coach. Okay, great. Nice. Awesome. Uh, first, before we before we do go to the next thing, Michael, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure being able to interview somebody with you uh, for the first time. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. And Shelly, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you about your career and voiceover and everything. I know I'm definitely going to be sending you an email probably after this, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Heck yeah, you guys were amazing to have me. Thank you so much for chatting. This was so fun. <laughs> so, so Shelly, uh, real quick before we go, uh, 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 first of all, you, you have been amazing, and, and I will get to my, my thankfulness in, in a second. Um, before we started uh, this recording, I asked you to pick six numbers between 1 and 167, correct? Yes. And you, you had no idea what those numbers were for, correct? Correct. Okay, so you mentioned Friendster earlier. So after Friendster and before Facebook, there was a little place called MySpace that people would go to and people would waste their time. It would take forever for profiles to load because people had what if God is one of us playing in the background and you would take asinine question uh, quizzes that meant nothing. They weren't like BuzzFeed quizzes where you get results. They were just mundane quizzes to just fill time. And I found a 167 question quiz from MySpace and we ask every guest to pick six numbers correlating with questions from that quiz and ask them those six questions just to get a little more information. Now, none of these questions need explanation. That's the best part about this. It's very one quick answer. And I don't want any explanation because I love the mystery of it. If, if there is kind of a crazy thing. So we're just going to go through them real quick. So Shelly Shinoy, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? I am so ready for my MySpace quiz. And I just want to clarify, Daniel, you yeah. said the answers are yes or no with no explanation. The, the not yes or no, just a uh, real like one real quick one off answers. So oh, like very if, short. Yeah, yeah. So for the question like, what did you what do you like to swim in? Polka dot bathing suit. And then we just move on. Like there's no yeah, explanation yeah, yeah. to why it's a polka dot bathing suit. Right. And also you are correct. <laughs> so question so, number one. OK. In relationships, do you prefer a guy who's shorter or taller? Taller. Have you ever turned someone down for a date? Yes. Do you have an attitude? Yes. Are you afraid of the dark? Uh, yeah. All right. Have you ever been in a wedding? Yes. All right. And your final question of your MySpace quiz, Shelly Shinoy, did you ever find something valuable on the ground? More money than you can believe. <laughs> In New York, I believe it. Thank you so much, Shelly. You have been so fascinating, so fantastic. <laughs> Talking to you here and in the past few months trying to set this up. You are so kind with your time. We, we truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, you guys are amazing. Thank you. I had a blast. Thank you. All right, guys. Back to you guys in the studio. And welcome back. Wow. Uh, it feels like we've gone on a journey with Shelly. Uh, three episodes. We had to take a week off. Uh, but man, it's just so much information. Like this is an episode or a series. I think you could re-listen and find something completely new in it. And speaking of something completely new, uh, with us today <laughs> is the Bay Area OG, Mr. Michael Lutheran. Michael, how you doing, buddy? Hey, fresh from the Bay Area. And once again, we're in person. We're in person. We're, I can see you. I'm right here with you. You're in my living room. I know. It's, and uh, you're still in bed. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I had Karen drag me. Literally, she couldn't drag me out of bed. So she just like dragged the bed in here. <laughs> <laughs> I can see her. She's a tough cookie. Yes. <laughs> uh, Michael, you know, that was the, you know, the, the conclusion to Shelly. Uh, interview what are your just kind of final thoughts on that series yeah well it's definitely a series because I think in each part 
um, sometimes with a guest, and not just specifically for our podcast, but generally, you you they're talking about kind of the same thing throughout all of their parts. Whereas with Shelly, like each one was like its own adventure. And it had its own stories. Yeah, it had and its like own story. Antidotes. And like, so her getting to New York City was a complete whirlwind of just like emotion <laughs> and ups and downs and stuff. And then, you know, in the act two, we got to hear more about her establishing mm-hmm. herself in New York City. And then this one where is finally where we got to get to the meat of voiceover something that you know me i've been interested in trying to get into voiceover so a lot of those questions that we asked um was me kind of being a little selfish being like i need to know these things like what if someone has no experience (laughs) whatsoever it it was it's really a true journey yeah that we went on with her and Mm -hmm. i think the stories and her personality and 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 you know we were just there for the ride and it was it's true and i am i am pleased that we got like (laughs) One of our listeners, maybe, if you've been listening to these episodes a couple times already, like, let us know how many voices Shelly did throughout this series. <laughs> if anybody's keeping track of things uh, for, for stats for the show. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be perfect. But no, it was she is just such a um, great source of energy and just optimism when it comes to approaching the industry and, you know, building relationships and kind of accepting the fact that I don't, I'm not an expert at this, but I'm going to become one. I'm going to be my own champion, as it were. I'm going to, you know, no one else can get me out there other than me. Yeah. Even with an agent. And yeah. so it, it's, you know, something that I, so many things I can take and, you know, and use for my experience here in Los Angeles. I right. think it crosses over. And not going to lie, I'm definitely interested in maybe checking out, like, at least a couple of her classes. Yeah, www.nycvo. Uh, coach.com yeah no it's i think that's something that's super cool and um you know if any of our listeners out there have you know taken one of her classes or anything let us know yeah absolutely let Um, us know how it was yeah because uh i'm that you we just got like how many hours of like knowledge with her over three episodes for free for free you're welcome america yeah (laughs) and and other parts of the world (laughs) you are welcome you are welcome you don't know the pains we go through to make this happen oh my gosh the wi-fi battles (laughs) how how we survive that long in in that wi-fi is impressive yes thank you gordon for letting us use your bedroom (laughs) yes um you know it's been two weeks since Mm -hmm. we've been together um it's been a, a a tough two weeks for different reasons yes for both of us mm-hmm. um uh you know i i think it's important as always to yeah. share it, what's it's, going we always, on with us we always need to be transparent <clears throat> and so the reason why we didn't have a side hustle or a full episode come out last week was because some major events happened transpired that didn't allow me that i had no mental space or energy no. to dedicate towards this show unfortunately yeah and, and and you know that it real life continues you yes. know and, and we post these as much as we can and, and 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 you know we put out 40 to 42 to 52 episodes <laughs> a year yeah um but uh things happen and that's you know uh but uh you know before we get to that yes. um I'm still in the job search. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, let's let's. But, but, but before we take out the napkin, <laughs> yeah, napkins, the tissues. <laughs> I mean, napkins can be tissues, Maybe I guess. I mean, people are eating French if, fries or blankets or yeah. <laughs> French fries. Um, yeah, you know, I'm still in the job hunt right French now. French fries and ketchups. <laughs> Ooh, 
Ooh. New <laughs> Hollywood Hustle segment. <laughs> new, uh, new show. <laughs> new chef, French fries and ketchups. I'm French fry. That's ketchup. So let's get going. <laughs> we just review. What would that show be? Yeah. I don't even know. It's um, just people getting together and catching up while eating. We review fries what's and cele- You know, there's an Instagram like celebrities eating. We just review that Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Why is Jesse Metcalf eating that? Or are we just like talk and eat French fries and ketchup? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a um, weird sounding. So podcast. the job search is still going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, still hustling away at that. I uh, recently had two interviews um, for a, a production company here in Los Angeles to be the assistant to a CEO there. Um, I have not gotten offered the job. Uh, I'm, things are looking good for it, but mm-hmm. uh, there's definitely some. Uh, things I have to consider about taking the job. I don't want to get too deep into it, especially if anybody's you know listening. Uh, it would be a tough job, mm-hmm. um, a probably slightly underappreciated job for how uh, tough it would be, um, and underpaid mm-hmm. job as well. Um, and and that's a struggle uh, in this industry. I mean, we were just talking off mic about this, where yeah. you know there's that you have to pay your dues. But what's worth your sanity and what's worth missing out on maybe a home balance and, and a family balance? Sure. You know? and, and I think there is something where it's like you already sound apprehensive yeah. about this job, not about the company yeah. specifically, but about, about this position and the benefits or lack thereof that would come with it. So it is Los Angeles and there are many, many, many studios that yeah. are you know, that are, that have jobs that are similar to this one, mm-hmm. that if you're not feeling this particular moment, guess yeah. what? You don't have the job yet. Yeah. Like you can keep looking. And I was telling Michael, it's weird because, you know, the industry part of me is like, take it because it's great for the resume and, and you have to pay your dues. But the other part of me is like, well, I'm going to be there till maybe eight at night, most nights. And then my kid goes to sleep at seven 30. So then I wouldn't see my kid for more than like an hour in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so I'd see maybe five hours during the week. And then I, my wife, tends to go to bed around 10. So then by the time I get home, we have like an hour together. Plus, when would I eat? That's mm. an important thing to think about. Oh, my God. Um, you don't want to be hangry. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys. I'm going to put up a poll. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> Should Daniel take the job? <laughs> uh, no, it's, 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 it's a real struggle just because I'm one who I, I, I understand working for what you want. But at the same time, there's responsibilities and people that need you mm-hmm. at the same time. You know, this podcast and, and other things like that. Um, so it's a real struggle. So, and it's also, again, I, I even have here on our little outlines that we make about making healthy choices, even if they're, you know, for, for, you know, that makes things hard is making what's healthy and what's best for you may not be best for your job and your career in the long run. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and also that idea of, is this best for your job is, 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 is a perception because who knows if mm-hmm. it would be, uh, it's some, it's interesting that you touch on that. Um, uh, one of my really good friends posted an article from Harvard Business Review. And uh, the title of the article is Your Feelings About Work-Life Balance Are Shaped by What uh, You Saw Your Parents Do. Yeah. So the uh, gist of the article is talking about where do we get our work ethic from? Mm-hmm. Where, where do we get our work skills? Definitely a balance of my mom and dad. I can, yeah. I, the minute you said that, I'm like, wow, yeah. No, and, and it was something that I've never considered of like, where do I get my work ethic from and i definitely think i'm more so my dad like i stay late to get the job done my dad was in the military you know you don't have set hours there um and then he worked for years and years in construction and stuff but then some of it to his detriment and so i don't know you talking about having to work late hours and stuff i think of nolan then and the examples obviously that you and angie 
together or setting for him. And yeah. it makes me just think like, you know, what if you if you could impress upon someone brand new, like what is a quote unquote good work ethic? Yeah. You know, what it, what is it that you would want to leave? Well, that's, you know, it's so funny because, you know, we talk a lot to a lot of people on here who are entrepreneurs and have their own businesses and, and work really hard. And it, it, it inspires us to work hard. Mm-hmm. And there, I know there's been several times when I've texted you, go to bed. <laughs> this can wait. Like, you don't have to be up. It's Thursday. <laughs> you have three more days. Yeah. You don't have to be up till two in the morning working on this. Um, Michael, it's 5 a.m. <laughs> it's 5 a.m. Why am I up? And why are you? Yeah. I'm up because Nolan woke me up. Um, and, and, and I super admire that about you. That's mm-hmm. something I, I, I'm so proud to have you someone on my team and in my life that has that and, and, and will be another example of that to yeah. my, my son. Um, and it, you know, I think the, the work ethic I want to put on my kid is work hard to, to get what you want, but not at the detriment of your health and your, your personal life Yeah, and making sure that you make time for your family, um, it is really important as long as you, you know, and having a strong career that you work hard at as well. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, there are times where the balance can lean more one way or the other. Um, and it has to, but it's, it's always, I think in the pursuit of finding the, the, the edge and yeah. finding that straight line um, between the two. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when you put that. Cause I, I definitely see my dad I'll, I'll in me s- and I I'll see send my, you the article. Mom. It's really interesting. And I'll hope maybe when we post this, we can mm-hmm. post this article. Cause it's, it's interesting. Cause it, the, there's the four kinds like you either emulate a parent, you make it so that you're not, yeah, you do the opposite. You do the opposite, yeah. or you unconsciously emulate one of them, or it's a weird <laughs> I think I'm all three. amalgamation. Yeah, <laughs> I right. Think I think I copy, but I also make sure to do the opposite in some ways. Yeah. But then I'm also unconsciously, subconsciously doing stuff as well. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And then also, I mentioned this. Uh, I think last time we had an outro where I put together a schedule uh, for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to keep my week in balance and to make sure I'm doing things that are productive uh, for me mm-hmm. and my my career um, and not wasting the time that I have right now. Um, yeah. Even though I, I hate not having a job, I enjoy having the ability to go right at a Starbucks or a coffee shop for, so for a few hours. <laughs> um, and uh, it's going okay. I've had a few meh, <laughs> peaks, yeah. uh, peaks, peaks high and peaks low. Um, one thing that's really great, though, about having this time is the time to network with people that don't have job, like yeah. everyday jobs. <laughs> and I'm able to like go out and have maybe like a, a coffee with someone that I regularly can't see, mm-hmm. um, which has been really nice to make that time to reconnect with some people like Mikey. Um, oh, Mikey and, uh, but, Yeah, me, me and him, uh, you know, we try to get together every now and then, as, you know, just as friends and yeah. just to, 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 you know, commune with each other. Um and so I've been working really hard to just make sure I put that time in, put a little of me time in, mm-hmm. um, and then put a little, you know, def- and put a lot of job search, podcast, and and screenwriting time, which is my focus mm-hmm. uh, right now. And it's been it's been interesting because at the same time though, I have to make sure I focus. Like this is for this because yeah. if I don't, I'll be writing while also going, oh, I, I need to message this person about the podcast or I need to do this for the podcast. No, no, focus on this. Like focus on this yeah. right now. Focus on this Indeed.com while you're looking for a job. See, I wish like. Even though I have a uh, I have a full time job, my brain still kind of operates in that level of like I got to do this. Wait, no, I got to do this. Wait, I got to do this, and it's just mm-hmm. like it's so necessary to 
hone your mind in on one task yeah. at a time, get it complete, respond to that person or write that script for a set amount of time and then move on to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, we, we mentioned at the beginning, we didn't have an episode last week. Um, I didn't want to go into it at yeah. the time because I, I don't think it's my place to go into it. But yeah. uh, I well, know there was also a lot of like unknowns, unknowns yeah, that were absolutely. happening at the time. And, and, and so I know some stuff happened. I got a text from you, uh, you know, if you just kind of share uh, what happened as much obviously as much as you want sure um and just kind of get everybody updated on what's going on yeah with, in your world so the day our last episode aired which was Shelley Shinoy act two so that same afternoon I was at work in my medical office uh that I work in and I got two phone calls back to back from my mom during hours that she knows that you know it's not my lunch hour and stuff so already I was so I was a little concerned because normally she'll call me and then, you know. Are you calling me rude because I contact you? No, no but <laughs> no, she'll call. No, no, like no, she'll no. call and she understands that I'm. Right. You know a, when your mom usually calls you. Yeah, exactly. Whereas yeah. this one was like she called me twice and then my Google Hangouts uh, text message popped up with a voicemail mm. and it was like two minutes long so it couldn't translate it. Right. So I was like, okay, guys, I got to step away from the phone. I called my mom. And she told me that she was at the ER with my dad. <clears throat> and essentially that morning, he got up later than he normally did. He tried, he took him like an hour and a half to just get like three things into a laundry, uh, into the washer. Like he couldn't figure out how to do it. And so already my mom was a little worried. And he said that he had a headache. So she told him to sit down and he took, he took out his cell phone and my dad has a flip phone. Old school. Old school. Super classy. <laughs> <clears throat> but he couldn't figure out how to open a flip phone. Mm-hmm. Like he just looked at it and he couldn't figure out how to open it. And so that was the big red flag to my mom. So she got him in the car, took him to the uh, David Grant Medical Center on Travis Air Force Base. Uh, and, you know, th- at that point, it was just kind of a whirlwind of like, so I, I, I was told that. Right. And, I'm, and I have to go back at my desk at work. In a medical office. It's, it's the worst. It's the worst to get news like that when you're at work. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, but also I'm in a medical office. Mm. I'm surrounded by these doctors who kind of have really great insight into right. what it could be. So, kind of lucky. So like initially I didn't tell anyone. I sat mm. down and like for the next 30 minutes tried to do work and I was like nothing was there's, happening. There's no way. You can't focus yeah. on moments like that. And so then I confided in my office manager and then I informed one of the doctors I work for and immediately she was like, okay, well, you know, we need we need some essential answers to some questions and stuff like what's his blood pressure, what's his history and everyone here, our listeners know a few weeks ago I had to take another trip up to Northern California. So um, we, he had a CT angiogram of his head, of his brain. And what we were told was that there was a tear in a blood vessel, the back of his brain. And so it's, the medical term is a dissection. Yeah, by the sudden, have you, had you already gone up by this no, time? No, I'm here. still down okay. here. Okay. And like my siblings are starting to call and text and stuff. Cause they know Michael knows medical. So we should figure out what's going on with him. <clears throat> and but I, I stayed at the office until like 7.30, 8 o'clock that night because I was just hanging out with one of my doctors, kind of like getting information from my mom. And so the concern was that we thought my dad had a torn uh, 
vertebral artery, which is the artery that runs from the back of your neck into your brain. It's as essential as your carotid artery. And so the concern is if that's torn, there could be a brain bleed, there could be swelling in the brain, and that could cause a stroke. And so I came home and Karen's brother was here because he had heard what was going on. So he was just here to like make me some dinner and stuff. It was really nice. nice. But basically as soon as I got home, it was like I was back at work. Yeah. Like I was constantly on the phone with one doctor that I work for and then my family members. And Mm. my mom was like, Michael, don't come up. You know, we don't know what's going on. You Mm. shouldn't need to come up. But then my siblings were like, Michael, we need you. Mm-hmm. to come up so i spoke with you that night i told you this is the deal i'm yeah like the concern was like am i gonna leave right now 10 30 at night uh karen was able to convince me to sleep smartly enough <laughs> a few hours so i was on the road by 4 a.m and i was in ria vista at my brother's house by 9 30 a.m mm-hmm. so it was about five and a half hours and we talked a little bit on the road also yeah oh my god way. you called me at the essential point of when like <laughs> sleepiness was starting to kick back in when you're like i need to call someone i so need to call someone away? so we you we joked about ben affleck and <laughs> henry cavill's mustache <laughs> yes um but that was great because it, it caught my mind off of it for a little while and so once we got so I, once i was at my brother's house once everyone was up we went to the hospital and my dad at that point was still in the ICU, but he was fully conscious. And so at the same time I was on the road, my dad was being transferred from the Air Force Base to an ICU um, in Castro Valley, which is outside of Oakland, um, because all of the ICUs are full of victims from all the fires and yeah. stuff that are going on up there. So he specifically needed a neurologist who had access to an MRI because that's what he needed. Um MRI happened, ruled out the dissection. That's good. My dad didn't have a blood vessel tear or anything. Okay, I don't think I heard no. that. That's great. So he didn't have that, What and his brain was clear. It was normal. So what it sounded like was my dad does have high blood pressure. So it was that mixed in, I think, with heat and all of the smoke mm. that's been in Vacaville lately with all the fires, mixed in with maybe, I, I don't know, thrown in with with all the changes in his medications and stuff recently. Yeah. It was just a melting pot of something and his brain didn't get enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. So, but then the concern was like, okay, so he had a mild stroke. What's the last, lasting effects of that? And so from 4 p.m. on Wednesday, I haven't slept. <laughs> 4 p.m. on Wednesday through 4 p.m. Thursday, I was at my dad's bedside table. I told the rest of my family like, guys go take my mom like you know she she needs rest you guys i'm i'm the one that needs to be here because i know what's going on yeah all the while i'm messaging my doctors right what's going on and so the most bizarre thing and 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 i know i'm talking too long about this (laughs) it's fine um the most bizarre part of it was like every couple hours my dad would wake up and he would know where he like he would have to answer the questions of like, do you know where you are? Do you know what year it is? Uh, do you know what happened? So this way like he didn't know what month it was, yeah, correct? He didn't know what year knew, it was. But he knew like he knew who the president was. No, he didn't. Oh, I, I thought you told me he knew who the no, president was. No, like okay. not initially, not when he was oh, okay. at the Air Force Base. Gotcha, he didn't gotcha. he thought it was like nineteen eighty seven. He thought he knew who my mom was. Um and so it's weird when you hear like your parent doesn't know that type of stuff. Yeah. And my dad's always someone 
maybe like most dads are, they're always like, oh, I know. I know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I got know. This. Yeah. I got this. And so my dad would wake up and he knew me and he would know. Like at first he thought he was in an apartment because the hospital we were in was kind of mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, it was like, good. oh, okay, I'm in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he didn't know why he was there. And I would explain to him what had happened and it would be like a 45 hour long conversation and he was with it and he was himself. And then, you know, he'd have something to eat or go to sleep for a little bit. And then when he woke up, it was all gone. Mm. It was like someone just wiped his brain, wiped his brain. And so, but hour by hour and every time he did this, he would remember a little bit more. And, but, and so the concern was like, did this stroke cause any permanent loss? Mm -hmm. Um, Like he would, I asked him to describe our house and he thought he couldn't think of his bedroom in Vacaville. He could think of only his childhood bedroom in Youngstown, Ohio. Mm. Like, and, yeah. and so this, that's when I really started getting scared. But fortunately, just talking with the nurses, talking with the doctors, and this is where like six years of medical office knowledge comes <laughs> into play yeah. for a situation like this. And he was able to be discharged. Happy to say he's fine. We treated him to pedicure <laughs> and manicure. Yeah, we found out both me and Michael uh, enjoy pedicures, so we may yes. be having a pedicure episode. Uh, or a pedipod. <laughs> a pedipod uh, meeting uh, yeah. uh, here in the future. Um, so that was nice, and it was just like one of those. But I think I described it to you in a message that I think describes it the most. It's like I felt the age mm-hmm. of my family. It's, it's just really, everyone. It's really hard. It's yeah. like I felt the fragility of my dad of my of my parents mm-hmm. i felt the age of my brothers mm-hmm. and of my sister and then my 12 year old niece who's who's now in middle school like she was up there yeah and i would ask her like hey are you okay do you understand what's happening are you scared and she's like no i i'm okay mm-hmm. and stuff but it was just the first visit in a long time where it's like i felt the age of my family a little yeah. bit and so Came back and then got a text from my mom or a call from my mom last night of pictures of smoke billowing <laughs> from behind my parents' house. Well, before, before we yeah. before we get to this, I just want to yes. say I'm super glad that your dad's doing better. Um, you know, I, I I'm always worried in those situations because I, I think other people can understand. Like when your friends in that and then in that time, you're like, I don't want to be a bother and I don't want to be in the way. But also, like, I want to be there and supportive. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't even text you, like, okay, I'm going to stop texting you now so you can be with your family. But if anything comes up, let me know. And I'm like, the the, mes- the message you sent um, when I was like, yeah, I'm here with my family right yeah. now. And the message you sent about my mom mm-hmm. or whatever, like, I read that to her and she said that meant a lot. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I wanted you to know that I was there and that, you know, no matter the distance, that I'm, I'm there for you and I'm so happy. Uh, that you're, 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 you were there for your family. And I think what's really interesting about that and seeing, just hearing you talk a little more about it now is not only do you feel the age, but I think you feel the place that you have in your family yeah. in a way where like when, when things like, especially if you think like in a silly situation, like if we were in a zombie apocalypse, who would I be <laughs> in that situation? I'm like, you would be the medic and the comic relief. Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, you would be the person that making jokes, but also, like, able to help people if they got hurt in sure. a moment. You know what I mean? No, and I, I, like, I was joking around with my dad, but part of it was, like, I'm testing you. Yeah. Like, I was like, do you know who the president is? And mm-hmm. he finally was a- able to answer Donald Trump. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the fact that he That's was great. able to understand that joke. Right. Um, you know, was like, okay, he's right. getting better. Well, I, I mean, like I said, I'm just, I'm really glad your family's okay. And, and it, it's, it's never a pain to take a break 
for a week from this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those things we're always understanding when family comes first. And yeah. uh, like well, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that everybody's doing better. Thanks. Now, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Continue yeah. what you were well, saying now. At the time of the recording of this podcast, last night I get a call from my mom saying, we're evacuating Vacaville right now. Someone apparently tossed a cigarette off the freeway yesterday, and it's caused a whole big fire in the hills of Vacaville. You know, they arrested came. somebody for the holy fires down in Orange County, right? Did they really? Yeah, they wow. arrested somebody who they believe it started on purpose. Yeah. Well, and it's something like uh, the fires basically came up right to the group of houses where my parents are. Mm-hmm. And so it was just another one of those moments of like, I think what rocked me the most was like feeling the distance. Yeah. Like, could I have helped my mom more? if I were closer to Vacaville or mm-hmm. if I were able to leave right away um, in this moment, like I just got back to LA. I'm having to reset and mm-hmm. reconfigure myself to life down here. But it's like, I felt that pull of like, I need to run up. I need to go up there and make sure that everything's okay. But like learning to take a breath and like, you know, mm-hmm. trust my parents are going to be okay. And stuff. my biggest concern was like, get dad out of there because yeah. don't want him near all the smoke and stuff. Again. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's, but luckily Karen wild. was up there with you. Oh as yeah. Well. Karen flew up. She was up there with you. So you weren't, it wasn't just you and the family. Karen was able yeah, to make it Karen up. Karen flew up uh, the, the evening my dad was discharged. Yeah. And when I told him like in, when he was still in the hospital, like mm. that Karen was flying up, he was like, Oh, that's super. <laughs> I, I, he's like, that makes me really happy. See, and you gotta tell your dad, like I got to meet him. So like, yeah, you, you got to be here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so it's, it, it was one of those, again, trying weeks of like, I can't believe I've gone up and down to Northern California twice in a month. Yeah. Cause that, cause that happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pretty bizarre. We've had a lot of family time, had a lot of family time, stress time. <laughs> I was so exhausted by Thursday night. Um, like we, uh, in typical Lutheran fashion, we put on a movie and they decided the Coneheads. <laughs> and interesting choice. Interesting choice, but I passed out. And, <laughs> but it was it was nice to be with family and stuff. But you passed out before Thanos snapped right exactly <laughs> in the Coneheads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Part but of the Marvel universe. It, it's just one of those experiences where it makes you question like what's most important. Yeah, and stuff. So. I'm not leaving LA or anything anytime <laughs> soon. I know that listeners my, were like, this Ooh. is Michael signing off from the podcast. This is Michael signing off. No, that's not what's happening. It's just, but it, it's a reality check. Yeah. Of like, Oh no, I didn't have another audition this week. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Yeah. Some stuff doesn't. Yeah. In the so, long run. Um, but speaking of auditions, but speaking of auditions, <laughs> I, I got an email from someone who saw Met again. Wasn't me. Wasn't Daniel. Um, saying that they wanted me to audition for their play. And that was super humbling. Like said, they they really enjoyed my performance. And after reading, I haven't uh, completed the script yet um, of his play. I can see why he thinks of me for this role. Mm-hmm. It's um, super interesting. I would be able to do an Irish dialect, which is something I've always wanted to do. I oh, cannot do an Irish dialect. I, uh, I, I. He's um, going to have to do what you can understand him. It'll basically sound like a Lucky Charms commercial. Um, <laughs> oh no! But uh, but also the universe works in mysterious ways. The character, his his thing that he's dealing with in this play is the death of a parent, and he can't let go. Are you are you okay with playing that part? So it's just like, what is the universe telling me? <laughs> <laughs> Shut well, up, universe. Well, like with Medigan, like it was this moment of my life where like I love this person and I'm just trying to find out how I'm gonna commit to her. 
and I get <laughs> cast in a play where I figure it out, and now I'm in this moment of I like. Need you, I need ugh. you to get in a play where the person and his business partner find great success and money <laughs> with their podcast and money with their podcast. Yeah. Oh man, if only. But so, uh, but it's all the way out in Altadena. So there's some like logistics that I have to ask myself of like, is that too far? There is pay, which is good. There's mm. supplemental pay. Um, but there would, but the cost of going out there and everything would probably exceed that pay. But it's also that struggle of like, what's good for my career versus what's good for financial things. And just a small educational moment. Yeah. Um, the pay for rehearsals is a stipend pay. Yes. And if you don't know what a stipend pay is, it means you're paid in full one payment uh, for the whole time. So if someone says, I'm, I want you to work for me for 10, month, for 10 months for a $2,000 stipend, that means you're only making $2,000 for that whole 10 months. Yeah. So and, that's and just a nice little... Yes, this and is, this for is where actors who do theater, sometimes when you're doing non-union work, uh, you'll get like a small rehearsal stipend of a couple hundred bucks to kind of help supplement for gas and things. And then there's oftentimes like you'll get paid anywhere from $15, $30, $50, a performance. Yeah. So... This would be in October, and it's definitely an October-themed show. It's kind of dark, which would be fun. Um, but just some things I have to ask myself if that's something that I can commit to right now. Yeah. So, But it's so, just nice of like, you know, I, I went and did this play. I didn't think I was auditioning for anything right. in that moment. So it was just kind of cool just to see that come back around. As uh, uh, Shelly Chenoy, bringing it back in here, as she talked about, like, you're just throwing glitter into the wind, and then you're just walking around, and then you look on your hand, and you're like, oh, that's some glitter. Oh, like, I didn't know that I was going to do that, but someone reached out and contacted me about yeah, this. So absolutely. that's always cool. Very much so. Uh, so Very that's been so. my week. And sorry <laughs> sorry to bring it down. No, no. It, but, you know, that's what part of the thing we said we were going to do. We're going to be honest about our lives and sharing what's going on. And so it's important to do that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's obviously no one's going to be mad mm-hmm. that you we couldn't get an episode out. And trust me, I tried. I tried to get a hold of the equipment to yeah. do it, but just timing and, and scheduling to come up and get the equipment just no, didn't work out. It's all good. And, uh, just real quick, want to give quick thank yous to uh, Lynn McGee and Ashley Husson. Like they mm. they responded kind of like to your just like vague your vague post about like the reason why we couldn't yeah. uh, release an episode that week. So thank you guys so much for your messages and everything that meant a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot's going on. A lot's been happening. Yep. Um, so it's understandable if you <laughs> don't have uh, 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 a huge support statement well, this week. I'm going to sure. sit, I'm going to take a seat next to our listeners this week. I'm, the, <laughs> I'm kind of like in that group of like, I need a hustle support statement because this week was, was rough. Well, this sadly, I wish I could have written something that fits more to this, <laughs> um, but I didn't, unfortunately. But uh, my, statement this week would be uh you know we talk a lot on this show about proper networking and looking to form relationships over just contacts uh in this episode shelly discusses how she pulled together a merry men type of group for an audition for a loop group at telltale games and how not only her ability to network but just to be a good person got her got artists to trust her and liked her enough that on a very short notice they banded together to make this happen this is definitely an industry of who you know. It's a full-on lily padding 
where you jump from one person to another and then to another working to get jobs and form opportunities. But more important than just business deals is sincere relationships and friendships, building the trust through honest communication, a strong work ethic, and being there for other artists when they need you will always keep the door open with them when you need that favor or you need that last audition partner to help you for a taped audition or anything else. Talent can get you far, but it doesn't earn you respect and true appreciation. Being on time, saying yes, doing a favor or two, and being an ear to listen and talking to people at times when you don't need something will always go a long way in this industry. Amen. That's that's really good. No, I mean, it's it's about just being present, (laughs) you know, about being a real person to people. Absolutely. Um, You know, I've certainly many times here in LA have I, you know, gone to networking events where you can you just feel that they're not listening to you. They're not receiving you that they just have like a script that they're Mm -hmm. playing and stuff. So it's, it's good and necessary to just be there just to, you know, check in the generic. We should do something together sometime. Yeah, totally. Call me. Yeah. I got a script. Yeah. Just call me. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. We never figure. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) spoiler alert. If, if I were to give a hustle support statement, I mean, one of the things that leapt out to me and this is just off the cuff, but Mm. Shelly, talked about um i think we had asked her something in regards to uh the differences of like any advice for people in uh in a major market any actors in a major market and she said that there's no new york market or la market anymore that we're all really just one big market mm-hmm. with, with texas and chicago and stuff as well and i kind of want to just like encourage you and i and our listeners to think more of that like we're not just Hollywood mm-hmm. hustle, right? We're and that's kind of the point of bringing on guests like Shelley is that we're a community. We're 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 one community of people supporting one another. Absolutely, and I think that's the thing that you and I have been trying to push since the start of this podcast and everything. But just a, a reminder of like we're all one people. Mm-hmm. We're we're not one country. We're one globe of people mm-hmm. and stuff happens and you can't always do the thing that the art that you want to do because life throws you a curveball and mm. stuff. But it's so great to have that community of people, um, of friends, not just artists, but friends who are there to support you. Absolutely. So, well said. Yeah. Well said. Well, uh, we would love to hear what you have to say about what we discussed today with Shelly Shinoy. Uh, or you can also send a, uh, uh, a message of, of wellness and uh, healing for <laughs> Michael's dad and for Michael and his family. Uh, you can always contact us on Facebook or Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast or on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. On all the social medias, I, Daniel, am Daniel Tuttle, T-U-T-T-E-L, and Michael is Michael Lutheran on all social medias. L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N. <laughs> and let's bring in the voiceover maestro herself, Ms. Shelly Shinoy, into the conversation. You can tag Shelly at at Shelly Shinoy on Instagram and Twitter. You can also make sure to visit nycvocoach.com to check out more of the services Shelly offers to beginning and advanced voiceover actors. And what's even better is you don't even have to live in New York City to make it happen. LA, Texas, wherever, Shelly can help you. And of course, if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share about what you heard on today's episode or any questions for Michael, myself, or any of our other guests, feel free to email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and guys, this week we started back with our side hustle episodes. Those are our preview episodes for those of us who are sometimes too busy, life gets complicated, and you don't have time to listen to our full-length interviews. This one was longer than some of our most recent ones. We wanted to give you guys a 
more uh, pack for your punch in this episode. But the side hustles are a nice little preview to give you an idea of what's happening uh, this week here on the pod. So subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. Um, so that way you can always be up to date with the hustle with the side hustle previews and the full episodes. And of course, if you want to share us some love, leave us a review. Please do. Maybe five star review and some comments and share it with your community. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you feel like giving to the cause and want to help uh, keep the show going and growing, uh, we do have a button on our website where you can offer to give a one-time or a monthly donation to the show, to co- a contribution to help us keep uh, growing and building and being able to do more things. Uh, just makes you a part of the club uh, even more. And uh, we appreciate any kind of offering. Anybody can guess, money, whatever. We, are, are, we love the support and we thank you. Exactly. And now next week, mm-hmm. it's our first interview we've done where the guest team reached out to us. It's crazy because next week, uh, Daniel will be introducing you to actor Jason Altman. Jason was born and raised a New Yorker. He has performed at several off-Broadway theaters, including the Cherry Lane Theater and the Soho Playhouse. You could have also seen Jason on several shows, such as the following White Collar, The Blacklist, and in the most recent seasons of Orange is the New Black on Netflix as Herman. Jason and Daniel talk about gaining a strong work ethic from his father, diverting from the normal college and the job life path, how how waitering uh, got him a part on HBO show, and and, and how he survives and thrives in the city that never sleeps, New York City. Yes, we stay in New York City, folks. So do not miss this inspiring interview with actor Jason Altman and make sure to check him out on the current season of Orange is the New Black. Yay! Somebody reached out to us. Yeah, no, it was like his PR team. Yeah, his PR team reached out to us and it was very last minute, But I, and I even told him it was funny. I told him after the interview, I was like, we're going to get this out soon. Uh, usually we do three months worth beforehand. And he was like, thank you so much because I was like, we want to get this out while this is still fresh and, yeah. and people are aware of it. So no, but this is, um, a, this is so much fun. We're doing like a New York tour. Yeah. Right it's New York tour. And then we're going to, we're going to move to Vancouver later on and <laughs> uh, uh, another New Yorker. Yeah. It may be, it may be three New Yorkers in a row. I'd have to, I'd have to look and see if Heidi uh, is uh, after uh, Jason. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, we get, eventually get back here for some comedy mm-hmm. and whatnot. So all that and more, but guys, do not miss you. it. Do not miss it. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 66. <sighs> of the one one away from the devil symbol. <laughs> yeah. uh, as always, this episode was brought to you by Team Hustle. Daniel Tuttle is our executive producer. Michael Lutheran produced and edited this episode. Gordon Meacham is our episode analyst. And Mike Tobias edited our website, which you can always check out, www.hollywoodhustlepodcast.com. I'm Michael. I'm Daniel. And always remember... Keep, keep up, up the, the hustle. hustle. Yay!